0: Gentlemen, ladies, welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Ben Pakulski. Many of you know that I've taken an immense fascination with understanding male optimization, ultimately human optimization. But specifically, I love working with men because it holds a place deep in my heart around leading men to be the best version of ourselves, so that we can lead future generations of young men and women. Ultimately, in a time when it feels like the world needs it most. Testosterone is a topic that comes up very often amongst my colleagues, amongst my community, amongst my coaches. And the idea of testosterone optimization feels like a black hole of information. Sometimes it's there's so much information, this vast landscape of information, misinformation, confusion. What to do, what not to do. So I've taken it upon myself to interview the world's ten top leading experts on testosterone optimization, whether they be researchers, practitioners, doctors, and just people who have devoted their entire life to understanding testosterone. And today's guest, Dr. Rob Kamenarik, is a board-certified fellow of the American College of Osteopathic Family Physicians. He has 27 years of clinical expertise in the hormone optimization space. He is uh, the author of an Amazon best-selling book. Uh, he is a veteran of the United States Army and has an incredible passion for overall health. And the thing I love about Dr. Rob is he's not just someone who talks the talk. He walks the walk. He's an incredible, healthy man. Uh, he is a leader in his community. And we get into some really interesting and fascinating stuff today, specifically how to do and look at a comprehensive blood analysis, specifically around the areas of health optimization and hormones. We talk about the importance of detoxification from chemicals in the environment and signs of inflammation in the body that ultimately can cause um, low levels of hormones across the board. We talk about the understanding of free testosterone versus total testosterone and the implications of those. We talk about the big levers to support natural testosterone levels in the body. And I will say Dr. Rob at 57 years old is in fact natural and uh, incredible. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And we talk about testosterone as a brain hormone, as well as a body hormone, which not everyone thinks about that way. And so much more, whether or not ultimately you should consider taking hormone replacement or not. And what are some of the pros and cons? And you can expect podcasts like this one coming up in weeks to come. And in my recently developed testosterone optimization summit that I'm calling the Titans of Testosterone, where I've literally compiled the world's top experts. I've literally scoured the entire world to find people from every continent to literally get to the bottom of what people are understanding that is hopefully an unbiased view that will bring you an unbiased view of what hormone optimization really looks like from a natural perspective, or for someone who decides to go the augmented route, how to do it in a natural and effective way. This can range from everyone from, you know, an 18 or 17 year old young man who wants to optimize his testosterone all the way up to maybe the highest level professional bodybuilder. And some of the mistakes I made throughout my many, many years of testosterone use and at times abuse, and ultimately what I'm doing now to reverse it. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at AIM7. Performance in the gym comes comes down to one thing, gentlemen, adaptation. It is not about the work you do. It's about the way that you adapt. Your ability to adapt will govern progress. And so many people get lost in the numbers. They get lost in sets and reps and volume and load and progressive overload and all these amazing terms that get thrown around in the performance space. But they have no idea that the reality of the matter is if you can't adapt, to the imposed demand, the imposed stimulus, you don't change. So understanding the concept of adaptation is imperative. In the past, I've had a guest, many guests in the podcast come and talk about the concept of adaptive capacity, your capacity to adapt. If you remember way back in the Muscle Taj's podcast, we talked to Dr. Eric Corum. He's been a, a guest on the show uh, twice as a trusted resource. And ultimately, we've uh, partnered with his brand called AIM Seven product that ultimately turns your wearable data into personalized recommendations for your body, for your mind, and ultimately to optimize your recovery and your ability to adapt, ultimately enhancing your training results. This means ultimately better gains in body weight, muscle, improved sleep, and ultimately mental resilience for all of your entrepreneurs and higher performers out there. Uh, the creator, Dr. Eric Morum, uh, has, as I said, been a guest on the show twice, and he's just truly a wealth of information and an amazing human being all all on top of that. Uh, After just 30 days, the average person sees 16% better sleep, 19% more motivated, 13% more energy and 15% less stress using aim seven. You can try aim seven for free. Actually, if you scroll down, if you're on, uh, whether it be Apple, uh, Apple podcast or Spotify, you can actually check the show notes. You can click on a link to directly get a seven day free trial. And if you're enjoying the app, if you use the code Muscle Intelligence, all caps, you get 25% off your first month. And I think you're gonna enjoy it. I think it's a really useful app, it's relatively simple. Uh, And again, they're always developing it. This is a relatively new app, relatively new version of the app. And so if you sign up and use that code, um, they will hook you up with 25% off this cutting edge tool to rapidly improve your health and fitness. Gentlemen, ladies, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast with Dr. Rob Komenerik. Diving into all things male health, testosterone optimization, cardiac function, and how to prevent heart attacks. Dr. Rob Komenerik, appreciate you joining me, sir. Wonderful to be here. I'm a fan. I listen to you on some of Jay Campbell's stuff. As you know, you, you, you're still doing it like every Wednesday. Are you guys doing a live or we, just a short period of time?
1: Yeah, we're doing it. We brought it back. Jay wanted to bring it back and everybody is on board and we're doing it every Wednesday, seven Eastern. Uh, we all be doing it tonight. Nice. And a uh, big fan of yours too. I follow Thanks. you all the time. I like watching your stuff. Like I, I love your approach to uh, muscle without a doubt. Thanks. Yeah, and, and you know these
0: things go hand in hand, right? And without, I can't. You know, I've been teaching people muscle for a very long time, and hormones were obviously a big part of my life, and so I'm I'm very transparent. I'm happy to share all that stuff. And as we evolve now, I'm working with guys over forty. It's like, hey, there, there's a certain consider certain number of considerations you must be making in your training to really get a good result, and there's certainly an, a certain large number of considerations that you should be making with respect to your hormone health. And I say to guys like hormones, and I don't, you can tell me if you agree. I think are probably the biggest lever we can pull. And as far as making a big drastic change in people, but people are doing it wrong because they hear like, hey, this is a big lever. I'm just going to go ahead and take testosterone. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on a sec. You know, I'm a big advocate of optimizing things naturally first, which I know it sounds like you are as well. I'm like, let's do everything we can naturally. I, I always say I treat everyone like a natural athlete. Like if we're getting ready for, to, to compete in the Olympics, I'm not putting you on testosterone, man. We're doing everything else first. I treat everyone like a gold medal winning athlete. And so like, what do we need to do first to make sure the body is functioning well at the cellular level, at the organ level, the organ system level, and then first do that. And if you're still not where you want to be, okay, now we consider optimization. So uh, I'm so grateful that you would join us today to talk about all things uh, testosterone, all things hormones, and ultimately cardiac function.
1: Fantastic to be here. And I agree wholeheartedly. There's so many things that are immediately under your control and all you have to do is Put it into action, and those foundational items. The biggest one being sleep. Not getting adequate sleep impacts your body in a negative way across you know all all different avenues. So sleep, exercise, and meaningful exercise. Um, I'm not a huge fan of endurance exercise. I think there's been plenty of studies, and one recently in March that shows the endurance athletes have significantly more cardiac events, cardiac Mm -hmm. disease. So uh, sleep exercise, restorative practices, prayer, meditation, tai chi, yoga, whatever your thing is to cool off and bring down cortisol levels. Then intensive diagnostics, getting studies that are meaningful, not not a superficial CBC, Chem 7 and a pat on the back and say, hey, you're good. And, And then nutrition, which is king and hormones and supplementation. And many of those things are directly under your control in particular, nutrition, which can really drive the optimization of hormones. Bad nutrition, you know, skewing it to all kinds of processed foods and cakes and cookies and candies, chips and soda and alcohol can do a lot of damage, but also undernutrition, eating healthy and undereating, which is the other uh, uh, side of the coin that I see with individuals. So they're eating healthy, but they're, they're consistently undereating. Their yeah. caloric deficit is too great for too long, and then that negatively impacts hormones. Yeah. So, there are a lot of things that are under the individual's control to optimize hormone, and those play a huge part of optimization. I'm glad you said that because
0: I thought I was one of the only guys screaming about uh, men under eating chronically being an enormous problem, right? You're going to you're gonna lose your muscle, you're going to lose your testosterone, you're going to lose your bone uh, density. Like, Guys, you shouldn't be under eating. I, I think guys coming like I have a huge appetite. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Keep your huge appetite. You just got to move to balance it out. Like, I've got an enormous appetite, so I need to make sure that I'm moving a lot. Again, I'm not overeating, but like I eat healthfully, I eat very, very well. I always make sure that I'm moving a lot, so my my movement always kind of outweighs my my appetite. And, and I think I also realize that if I'm eating the right foods my appetite tends to be better regulated, right? Most people have appetite dysregulation because this cortisol dysregulation, insulin dysregulation, hormone dysregulation on every level. Like, of course, your hunger signals are going to be dysregulated, right? So it's not a bad thing to have a healthy appetite. It's just a bad thing to have a dysfunctional hormonal system that's driving poor appetite, poor decisions.
1: I agree. And I see a lot of that recently with, with all the uh, GLP-1, GIP agonist use. Yeah. Which I like those medications. They definitely have utility. They just, I see it a lot of times not being used appropriately. And then what happens with the appetite suppression that naturally comes with those, people are like, oh, I don't want to eat all day. And the next thing they create such a deficit, they create a lot of metabolic havoc and you end up skinny fat, right? They get a lot of catabolism, lose a lot of muscle. And that's the last thing we want to lose. We want to be gaining muscle. Yeah. So I see a lot of that and that, that, that the problem is, is I don't want to eat. And then when they do eat, they've been eating seven, six, 700 calories a day for the last two, three, four weeks and things are crashing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I use those medications, for example, we have a nutrition plan, a feeding schedule. We calculate out the calories that they're going to take in for their goal weight. So we know we're going to take this in and we're going to create a deficit that's reasonable. So even if you don't feel like eating, we're still going to be eating. Yeah, and we're going to be eating the right kinds of foods, right? The right macronutrients, because uh, that chronic caloric deficit can really lead to problems.
0: So, Rob, one thing you mentioned as we began, and even before we began, you said you have a very comprehensive assessment. I'd love to start there because, as you said, most people are coming in and saying, "Hey, you know what? My testosterone is low, my uh, cholesterol is high We're low. Uh, give me some, give me some drugs, or tell me what to do." And you're like, "Whoa, whoa. like." There's a lot of stuff that's going on here. That's one leading to these challenges that are leading leading to poor energy. That's leading to poor decisions in your diet. So I'd love to have you walk through uh, what your typical assessment looks like. Someone walks in your into your office and says,
1: "Hey, can I can I get the full gamut?" Sure. Uh, the basics: of CBC, chem 14, but then we take a deep dive into the hormones and metabolites, and we look at 33 different hormones and their metabolites. I want to see what the hypothalamic pituitary testicular thyroid adrenal I want to see what all the axes look like. And and you're using in, like uh, functional uh, medicine testing you using like Genova GIFX or like what are you what are your
0: uh, or- so, organic acid Sorry.
1: So I use the gold standard for hormones which is liquid chromatography tandem mass spectroscopy serum labs. Now I may use other ones as adjuncts to it but the gold standard if you look uh any of the society guidelines, it's liquid chromatography, tandem mass spectroscopy labs. And I want to see all those hormones in concert and see how they're interacting with one another. It, it's, it's like a dance. If you ever watch Dancing with the Stars and they've got the, the pairs of dancers and one misses a step, it throws the others off. And the same thing is that way with hormones. If one's missing a beat, the others are going to be off as well. And you want to see that whole picture Together, and if you're just looking at individual labs, like I think my testosterone's low, let me get a total testosterone. That's just that's so woefully inadequate to be making such important decisions about your health and wellness. I want to take a look at the whole picture. I want the total T. I want the free T. I want the bioavailable. I want your estradiol. I want your estrone. I want to see your cortisol, your zinc, your copper. I want to look at all of these items. I want to see what growth hormone's doing. I want to know what your thyroid's doing. I don't want to have to guess. I want to see the, all those axes moving and together and see where the deficiencies are. Is this were. all do,
0: done through blood or is it done through urine as well?
1: Uh, blood. So that's, that's the gold standard. From my perspective as a, as a physician, we're held to a different standard. If I have to defend myself in, in a court of law, I want to have the gold standard, which is liquid chromatography, tandem mass spectroscopy labs. I is don't there specific labs that you suggest? Sorry to cut you off. Is there specific ones that you suggest that do this? Because I don't know that the, is this, this laboratory. You'd not, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have LabCorp Quest. So they would do all. Okay. Yeah. Right. There's different spots. So you can get labs through uh, Life Extension from MD Private Labs, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. So you you can get these labs done there, and you take your lab order and you get them. You get your blood. But this would be
0: typical, like if someone went to the doc and they said, "Hey, I want to get." Uh, full panel, They would would they normally get the liquid chromatography mass back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I order. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to make no, the no, audience clear okay. on, on you know, what, what the, these aren't just some specific labs that you're pulling. This is like, it, most people have access to this or could get access
1: to this? Everybody has access to it. What you don't want to do is overpay. These labs are easy to find on MD private labs and there are panels there that I have made. Um, that MD Private Labs runs. Uh, Jay Campbell has labs there as well. Um, Access Labs, which is out of Florida. Uh, You can get them from there. LabCorp Quest. Life Extension, you can buy Life Extension comprehensive hormone panels. I think they have a sale right now at $420, which is outstanding. I've run into issues where individuals buy them off of or, or, or try to run it through their insurance and because they have a high deductible insurance plan, like say a $6,000 deductible, they pay $3,000 for $400 worth of lab. So right. you do need to be smart about how you're getting your labs done. You know, okay. You're paying.
0: Yeah. So you're diving into this this really full spectrum uh, blood analysis, looking at the interactions of all the different systems. Is that the extent of it, or are you doing additional stuff? You're, you're not doing any... Um, kind of functional medicine, uh, urine analysis, organic acid, and like that, are you a believer in those things? It depends what
1: what I flesh out in the consultation. Yeah. When I start, it's what is it that you want? What is it you think you need? What's bothering? Wh- why are you here to see me? And oftentimes when the goals come out, well, this is what I'm looking to do. These are the problems I, I'm having. All of a sudden things start to jump out. For example, I saw somebody yesterday uh, young man, early 30s, total testosterone 103, free of two. LHFSH, uh, very low as well, actually works in a chemical factory. Mm. So auto- automatically, I know that, you know, wait a minute, this, we got big red flags here. This yeah. sounds like a detox issue. This is chemical exposure. Um, it's not radiation chemotherapy, it's not previous use of steroids. So my pathway may be different. We probably need to detox this, man, as well as what's the treatment strategy going to be, and we're going to be able to overcome such low levels to get it back to where it's functionally can feel it. So that'll dictate tests. So for example, for him, it's off for heavy metal testing, right? I'm going to go look to see what we can find, yep. which I'm sure we're going to find a lot.: Are you doing any no.
0: Cornea calcium scores, angiograms, like right off the bat, or is that just like once someone, once you see someone's cholesterol numbers are are wacky, you start, you go there?
1: Uh, Not, not usually, not cholesterol numbers. So it's not the lipoproteins that usually will drive it, it's family history. Mm -hmm. So how that'll end up is usually somebody comes to my office, a brother, a mother, a father, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, somebody passed from a heart attack, or they know they have a family history and now they're getting older maybe they had some kind of little scary event when they were out one night, and then that precipitates the appointment. And if yeah. we go through their history. And as they start to collect uh, testing and data, it's like, you know what, let's let's go get a coronary CTA angiogram and find out for sure what we're dealing with.
0: So let's say someone comes in and they're expressing symptoms of low testosterone. They're saying, hey, doc, I'm not feeling good. You know, I have my sex drive. I'm, you know, I'm in my 40s, 50s and beyond. What, like, like walk me through some of, the, some of the typical cases that you'll see. I know you see seeing people who are highly toxic.
1: Now, what, are the, what are some of the typical cases you're seeing and how you, you would go about intervening? So the first place I always start is with comprehensive laboratory. I want data that I can look at. And usually the symptoms that I see are related to decreased execu- executive function. Hmm. brain fog, right? I just don't feel sharp anymore. I I got no get up and go. I don't want to do anything. Then usually comes the, yeah, I go to work out, but nothing happens. I just don't feel good. I could care less about having sex, but it's the executive function that usually is the main complaint. So I'll start with comprehensive laboratory to see what the numbers look like. I'm gonna treat the symptoms. I'm not gonna treat the numbers. The numbers in the laboratory are just a guidepost and help confirm when I'm already thinking. Then the question comes, how, how does the individual wanna go about this? And I'll present several different options because everybody's goals are different. One person may go, you know what? I'm 52 years old. My testosterone is really low. I'm done. I don't wanna try and do anything natural. Let's go straight to testosterone. If I'm dealing with a 19-year-old who's been smoking a lot of weed and now they've bottomed out their testosterone levels, let's remove the substance that's causing the problem. Let's try to jumpstart the system and recover it because they're so young, they, they've got their whole life ahead of them, having a family, raising kids. So going to testosterone in that case wouldn't be the right thing. So we may take a stepladder approach to rebooting their system and see what we can get done. Then there's just the enormous number of young men anymore. When I first started prescribing testosterone in the mid-90s, I almost never saw anybody younger than 45. And it usually was radiation, chemotherapy, cancer, uh, some kind of trauma. To the point where it is now, uh, I'm 58 and the vast majority of patients I see are late 20s to early 40s and profoundly low testosterone a lot of medication, ADD, anxiolytic, antidepressant medication, uh, marijuana use, opioids, that all negatively impact that access. And then lump onto that all the toxicity that I see now. So atracine, glyphosate, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, uh, and that- Testing for all that? And you'd be shocked at mercury levels. It's just crazy. It's made me rethink in the last decade uh, my process of how we're going to go about this, because it's really easy to go, let me drive past all the problems by giving you testosterone. Yeah. Totally. Mask it. It, bend it. Yeah. But they still have all the toxicity underneath. Sure. So... Uh, you may be resistant to testosterone at the cellular level where it's not binding and moving across that bilipid membrane into the cytosol where it can bind to the angio receptor. So we got a transport issue. So we could flood the body with a ton of testosterone and raise the free testosterone levels up and just overwhelm the cell. But if the cell is inflamed and we have a transport problem, right? We're not transporting, we're not translocating, we're not transcribing efficiently am I doing them a service or a disservice by just masking the problem? So for me in the last decade, I always try to be curious about these things. Is there something else I could do? Is there another way that I can recover this individual and get them back to their body's own innate ability to heal itself and carry on? Sometimes you can do it and sometimes Sounds like you're a bit of a unicorn, man. Well, what
0: what we hear across the the board, it seems in North America right now, is is these pill pill mills, right? It's like come in, give me testosterone, give me an anti estrogen, give me HCG, get out get out the door. Maybe occasionally get a growth hormone or a peptide or something like that. Just like it's a conveyor belt, and and most doctors don't seem to actually truly give a shit about how my health is going on the background. And so enter this huge community now of health and function medicine coaches. We seem to be stepping into that realm, so I really respect and appreciate the fact that you're someone who's going, "Hey, man, I'm not just here to prescribe testosterone. I'm actually here to find the root of the problem." Which, again, not throwing anybody under the bus because I don't know everybody, but it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, businesses out there being run around prescribed and and you
1: know getting people on these auto bills. There, there's a lot of business models that are like it's a, a one trick pony. It's like here we're testosterone, testosterone, right. testosterone, and that. Listen, it is a solution and I love testosterone. It's, it's the big tool in the toolbox. It does amazing things. I'm glad we have it and we're able to use it. It can do all the amazing things that it does. But I've always considered myself a healer and a seeker of truth. And is it, are we able to recover this individual? It's a different story when I'm dealing with somebody who's older, the system's done, it's just tired, we're not gonna recover it versus a 19-year-old who's probably made a few mistakes, shouldn't really have to be dependent on a medication for the rest of his life. What can we do for that? individual? And there's plenty of guys that we get them back and we recover them, and they look great, they feel great, they function great. So I'm definitely not against testosterone. It's it's, using it for decades, and it does amazing things. But I'm always remaining curious as to what else is out there. And is there another way? And I've seen now in my, in, in, in approaching that third decade, you know, 27 years, I've seen a change in the last 10 years from when I've, a really big change. And I'm seeing so much toxicity of these forever chemicals, these PFAS, the, 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 the estrogen disrupting chemicals, the endocrine disrupting chemicals, the high levels of estrogen um, that just tainted drinking water. That it it really makes me think. Well, what else could I be doing? Because ultimately, I want to heal these people, yep. whoever they might. Definitely. So, so there's a lot of stuff we could, we could dive into from there. But let's talk about that. So,
0: one, what does the testing look like? Because I don't think you can get that on a conventional lab panel. Can you? Take looking
1: into atrazine and glyphosate and PFA, heavy metals. Yeah, it's a special tests. I already make the assumption but when I see their labs. There's certain values I see in their labs that'll really tip me off. Uh, laboratory values. And their story, where they work, what their daily life looks like. Uh, I'd give you another example. I had a fellow a couple of years ago, was doing great, suddenly was feeling sick, getting all these like he had three or four or five surgeries, very close back to back for very strange things, and was getting all these bizarre rashes. And right off the bat, I'm like, this is a toxicity. Nobody's yeah. found it yet. And what it ended up being was, there was a gas station two blocks from his house and one of the gas tanks was leaking and it was leaking into the soil and getting into the city water. We had the city water tested and there was benzene in the city water. And so he was drinking gasoline every day, all day. Not, not, and that's where the problem is coming from. So once we eliminate the source, then detoxing for that I ended up putting him on testosterone anyways, because the system was just so shut off. That uh, and he was older, but um, it, by getting rid of all the toxins, you got rid of all the rashes, all the slow healing, all the all the things that just wouldn't take care of the joint right. pain, the aches, the headaches, right? So, see a lot of toxicity, and my my, I'm always very aware of it. I would strongly suggest to all your listeners, you need to be filtering your water, hundred mm-hmm. percent.
0: I'm an advocate of that up and down. Um, so. What are you looking for on lab tests specifically? If, if I'm looking, if I want to personally do a test for glyphosate, atrazine, uh, endocrine disruptors, what exactly am I looking for? I'm looking for signs of inflammation. So So are going to draw a conclusion
1: if my inflammatory numbers are up, that it's coming from those things? You'll oftentimes see signs of inflammation in the laboratory, right? So high sex hormone binding globulin, high reverse T3, um, high sensitivity CRP being elevated, sed rates being elevated, elevated homocysteine levels, elevated hemoglobin A1C, methoxy test being elevated, um, and usually the complaints just reek of elevate of of inflammation. You know, my joints hurt. I got these funny rashes. I I never feel good. Everything aches. That's that's chronic inflammation. But there's no way for me to directly test my levels of these things in my blood or in my. There are. There's different laboratories and they can get very expensive. So, But the more common ones that are out there, you can make the assumption you're drinking water and your food is polluted right off the bat. Pesticides, herbicides, uh, chlorine, fluoride, uh, and uh, pharmaceuticals that are in your water. So, you need to be filtering water. And then uh, when it comes to your foods, you really need to be eating as clean as possible, right? So, uh, everything that I do, for example, is grass-fed, free range. We're very lucky here in Ohio, there's a lot of cattle farmers and, and farms where you can buy your beef, your eggs, your lamb, chicken, and then your organic vegetables and washing them cleanly, rotating your all your macronutrients, rotating your proteins, rotating the fruits and vegetables that you eat and washing them you know, thoroughly. I wash everything in baking soda. Limiting the amount of food that you eat out, getting rid of seed oils, getting rid of um, sugars, getting rid of grains—all the things that we know are inflammatory.
0: Yeah, these are all things we talk about. I think my audience knows this stuff, and and so I'm I'm just trying to draw a direct how you know how you draw a direct correlation between the assumption that this is glyphosate, atrazine, and, and these toxins, and this person having elevated uh, inflammatory numbers. It could you know it could be uh, any number it's, of things,
1: right? uh, Any number of things. So usually in my history and physical taking, oh, check, there's a problem. Check, that's another problem. Oh, you're drinking water from this source. Um, For example, I had a guy who's getting exclusive from his well. All right, let's test the well water loaded with heavy metals, loaded with um, uh, iron, had really high levels of iron. Mm -hmm. And the iron was suppressing his testosterone. So we changed this water source used a little Enclomiphene for a couple months, kind of reboot things and pulled it all away and next thing you know, he's fully functioning. So um, going after the source of the problem.
0: Yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. So coming on to the Ben um, bandwagon here. So what would, someone came in, they have natural, or they have a low testosterone level, they're not old enough to do TRT, or like, you know what, uh, dog, I don't really want to do a TRT. I want to try to natural, optimize naturally Let's say we've got all the nutrition in order. They've got all the sleep in order, they're managing the stress really well. They've got a great exercise r- routine. What's your approach as far as um, you know that? like any any interventions with with HG and clomiphene, do you
1: have a protocol you like to follow? All of the above. So I give the options to the engine, What's available for us to use right now? So I would say one, we can go straight to testosterone, right? And we have all kinds of delivery options there if that's what you choose. I never tell anybody what to do. I present the options and they make the decision as to the path that they want to go down. Okay. So what else do we have? Well, we have biologics, so we could use HCG. Let's talk about all the pros and cons of HCG. What else do we have? We have enclomaphene, right? So we have a selective estrogen receptor modulator. What do we want to do? So here's three different options. What to you sounds best? Oh, I like the idea of rebooting my system. Great. These are the things that we need to do. We're going to use enclomaphene. We're going to take it Every other day, we're going to start at this dosage. And these are the things I expect to find at the 30-day mark, 60-day mark, 90-day mark. And we achieve those, great. We may pull it away. If we don't achieve it, we can move to that other one. Well, uh, clomiphene didn't work. Let's try HCG or maybe a combination of the two. If we find that none of these are getting us to where we need to get symptom relief, then we can move to testosterone. I'm a big fan of challenging people with testosterone in the office, because it'll tell me right away what the issue is going to be, for example. So um, I had a gentleman the other day. Um, I forget where he worked. It was another thing with a bunch of chemicals. If there's so much inflammation in the cell and I give them testosterone, it's not going to matter. They're not going to feel it, right? Because the cell is so inflamed. So I know we really got to deal with that toxicity issue. If I give them oral testosterone and at 15 minutes it lights them up, their eyes get bright, their cheeks get rosy, and they're looking around the room like, I didn't know I could feel like this. Testosterone Mm -hmm. is a brain hormone. That's where it does its work, right? Gets the brain, lights things up and you go, wow, uh, I feel great. Let's go out and lift stuff and pick it up and put it down (laughs) because it makes you want to do work, right? So uh, I, I can immediately tell, wow, their free testosterone levels aren't high enough. They're not getting enough penetration at the level of the cell. It's not making it across the membrane and in, 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 in binding to the antigen receptor. Mm. So that'll dictate treatment. So for example, I had one patient, I loaded them up with a bunch of oral testosterone, felt literally nothing. Where most people, the amount I gave them, it would light them up. They want to run out the door and go run through miles. Right. So Yeah. So it, it it can be very helpful in making a determination as to what pathway we want to go. Age is a factor. Do are they married? Do they want to have more children? Um, are they suffering from anxiety and depression? Those can be factors as well. Sometimes they get these guys that've tried testosterone before, but as soon as they go on, they get incredibly anxious. You know, to the point where they can't function. That's problematic, right? Oftentimes, that's a toxicity in the background. Yeah. That, right. So, um, that needs to be addressed before we can get them on testosterone. So it it all comes down. I don't have any particular protocol that I put people on. It's, I treat you as an individual. And the goal is to try and heal whatever the problem, right? Yeah. Let's, let's heal you first. So heal, once we heal, then we can feed them up and then we can get them to perform. So first I got to heal you and because until you're healed, you're not going to be optimized nutritionally and all the other factors that are involved. So once I've got you healed and fed up, then we can start to go for performance. Define what healing means in this case. Um, Let's say example, somebody who's got a lot of stomach issues, no matter what foods they're eating, they're constantly inflamed, they're bloated, they're gassy, they're belchy. So I know they're not going to be nutritionally sound. We got a stomach issue. We got a reft up immune system. Um, at that point, it's like, listen, I got to heal that gut before we start talking about adding testosterone because I could throw testosterone in and make the gut massively worse.
0: Mm. Really, so, I've never, I've never experienced that. So, is this something you help people with? is gut health as well, or do you outsource that?
1: Yeah, no, I do. Sometimes I outsource it, but for the most part, I'll, I'll handle it. And it, it's been a process over the last twenty seven years because my knowledge base in nineteen ninety six. You know really pre-internet yep um and if you know my story you know it started with a kid who got in a motorcycle accident lost a testicle and you know I um and had the other one taken away in surgery so ended up putting him on testosterone I really didn't have much of an idea what I was doing but he would he would feel better then he would feel bad he would feel better he'd feel bad I'm like I'm doing what the book says I read all the books the books say the same thing so I talked to an endocrinologist. He told me the same thing. So I thought, geez, this doesn't, This is a shitty way to live. So I ended up talking to a bodybuilder at the, at the gym I went to. And I asked him, I said, how do you take this stuff and not feel bad? And you know, he kind of gave me a funny look. And he's like, well, I'm like, listen, I got a patient. He's young. He lost his testicles in an accident. He, I, I give him testosterone. He feels good for a little bit, but then he feels bad. And I'm doing what the book says. He's like, no, no, no. And he takes his uh, whey protein powder and he unscrews the lid and he reaches in, he's got his paper and he shakes it out and it's got everything written down on it. And what I got from that was testosterone cypionate, 200 milligrams, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I went, hmm, okay. So, you know, I go back to the office and back then we had PDRs, the physician desk reference. It was like this big red book. So I open it up and I start reading about cypionate, start reading about ananthate and propionate. I'm thinking, okay. So now I get he's taking it three days a week, half life, da 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 da. Let me ratchet the dose way down. I'm not going to give him 200 milligrams. Yeah. So I ratchet it down. And the next thing you know, the kid's like, you know, I feel good all the time, and I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And that's how I got started back in 1996, 97. That that was, that's how it all got running for me. And that, you know, then I became really curious. Wow, what can I do? And then the early two thousands came along with women's health initiative, and you, know, you know everything blew up. And you know, testosterone's terrible; it causes prostate cancer. It's going to kill you. And I'm like, oh my god, you know. And I at the time I think I had maybe fifty guys on testosterone. And I'm like, I remember going home and laying in bed staring at the ceiling. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, am I killing people? You know? And um, but that's the stuff that was in the news, what's being written, what you're seeing in papers. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm going to jail.
0: So now I don't want to assume that everyone knows what you're talking about. So it used to be perpetuated that testosterone was going to drive prostate growth, prostate cancer growth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and now we know that's complete opposite. If yeah. anything, it, it does the opposite. It's protective.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Abe. He's such a wonderful man. Yeah.
0: Um, talk to me about free testosterone. What are you doing to help people who have? normal levels or even optimal levels of, of total testosterone, but they're
1: kind of suffering with free. Sure. So there's different ways to measure testosterone. We'll kind of start with that. So you have your total testosterone, which is an inadequate way to, to look at how well somebody is, is, is doing, for example. Yeah. Total testosterone is not reflective of what's happening at the level of the cell. We want to look at the free testosterone level, which is about mm, two, maybe three percent. So we need a free testosterone level greater than 3% to really have good effect at the level of the cell where it's being transported across. So the free testosterone is really what we want to evaluate. There's some other factors that come into play as well, genetics. So if we get down to the androgen receptor um, and getting down to, there's eight exons on the androgen receptor and it's exon one, which is where all the activity takes place, which has to do with the CAG sequencing. And the longer that CAG sequence, the less sensitive you are to testosterone, and the more you're going to need. So there's genetics that come into play as well. So everyone likes to focus on free testosterone, but there's way, way more to it than that. That free testosterone level, it can be adequate and you still might not get effect at the cellular level. And why would that be? It'd be because that bilipid membrane is inflamed. So that's the problem. So the easiest way, and for your listeners, everybody wants to know, what's the quick way to get past that? The best way to get past it is to bring the free testosterone mm-hmm. level up with testosterone. And the best delivery methodology for that by far is transdermal. Hmm. I can hmm. get free testosterone levels through the roof. And so I can drive past that cellular resistance. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, much better than using any of the... um uh, injectables, right? The synthetic testosterone. Really you can get good levels, but I'm going to tell you now, without a doubt, I've seen it time and time again, and I'm sure many of my colleagues would support this that transdermal testosterone, if I want to get free testosterone levels up, uh, my only really concern is, you know, I'm going to get DHT levels really high. So there's got to be some hair involved, right? Yeah. In your case, it'd be like, hey, Ben, we don't have to worry about your hair. Let's go. What are you trying to say? Go. Bro? Let's go. <laughs> let's drive it way up there. You know, so the best way to raise free testosterone levels, transdermal testosterone, applied to the scrotum, twice daily. Hmm. All right, twenty I mean, percent. I want a twenty percent concentration. That's what's going to get me there. It's two hundred. Yeah, it does. Body weight will change that, but in general, any man over one hundred and eighty pounds. 200 milligrams per gram, a 20% concentration, applied to the scrotum twice daily. That's going to get my levels where I want them to be. And you're not, so you're not then using injectables for most guys? Um, I use a fair amount, probably like 60% transdermal, hmm. then the rest are injectable. And that also depends on cholesterol. So, what do the lipoproteins look like? So, with a transdermal bioidentical over the course of 16 to 18 months, the lipoprotein profile will stay neutral or improve. With synthetics, it can stay neutral or go negative. So, you really have to take a close look at what the lipoprotein levels are doing. That's interesting. Do and that's it- not that's not the case for everybody. Well, synthetics are not bioidentical. So, is the only way to get bioidentical no. through transdermal? Well, you can do pellets.
0: Oh, interesting. I had
1: no right? idea. But pellets. I don't do pellets. I did pellets for about a decade back in the late, uh, nineties, early two thousands It stopped. I think like five or six, I was just kind of like, nah, I'm not doing this pellet thing. It's just not physiologic. You don't make hormones that way. I can replicate physiology with creams. I can replicate physiology with injections. I can do that with orals as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that to me is a, a much, uh, More efficient and effective way to be uh, to deliver those hormones so they have a more natural distribution. Um, The other way with free testosterone, if you guys are taking a more natural method, all of the items that you have, you know, sleep, exercise, restorative practices, nutrition, all that needs to be in check um, because you don't want to be chronically underfed and you don't want to be eating garbage but then making sure that your intracellular nutrient levels are optimized. I'm not talking what's in the serum, but what's in the cells. So doing intracellular nutrient testing, being very strategic about what supplements need to be provided. And then boron does a great job. Most guys don't take enough boron to get the levels. How much do you recommend? Uh, Generally around 60 milligrams twice a day.
0: Really? That's huge. Mm Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone talk about that much. Most I've ever heard is yeah. ten milligrams. Yeah, I'll take
1: it up really high. Wow, no toxicity concerns? Mm-mm. Nope. Wow, nope. I've never heard that. And so, what keep, benefits do you, just- you keep? I keep an eye on them, though, right? Keep an eye on what's going on.
0: Yeah, but what? How would you know if it was elevated? Like, you could do serum levels. Interesting. How are you testing intracellular vitamin and mineral levels?
1: Uh, so there's a company by the name of SpectraCell. Um, I don't get anything from them, just that's the easiest one to use, um, but uh, intracellular nutrient levels.
0: Super interesting.
1: And so you think obviously that's more useful than um, serum levels? Absolutely. When you're looking for you know, what's in the bloodstream versus what's in the cell are two different oh. items, right? So your magnesium could be fine in the serum, but you look at intracellular and it's low. So um, for example, I'll get guys that have been on testosterone for a while. Maybe they're getting it through their local guy at the gym and they come in and they've got the shakes. They got tremors. Okay. The the last step in the conversion of testosterone and three, five cyclic AMP is magnesium dependent. So most people are already magnesium depleted to begin with. So now you're taking something at higher levels. You're really using up magnesium, and they start getting tremors, right? So we add magnesium in the tremors.
0: Oh, that's super interesting. So one thing that I've always been curious about, I throw this question at you. You know, obviously as a guy who took testosterone in the past, I'm always wondering if it's possible for me to bring up my my levels naturally. Seems like uh, probably at this point it's probably too far gone. Uh, but for someone who is uh, you know, never has never used testosterone, and they want to bring up their levels to an elevated level for forever. So I think there's there's so many like pine pollen will shoot up your testosterone acutely. boron will maybe shoot up ac- acutely. Uh, Tonka Ali and Furogresa. Those things work acutely. Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts or um, insights into how to shift it chronically. So is it a way for me to take my testosterone so what, what may be low to elevate it? Obviously, we know the basics, the body composition, the sleep, the stress management, but um, what are your thoughts there as far as like to get the body to just kind of exist
1: at a higher baseline? What are the big levers? All the things that we talked about before, for sure, nutrition is huge, right? Uh, and uh, chronic under-eating, not getting enough uh, healthy fat, for sure to generate the cholesterol, to be able to make the hormones. So the backbone of every single hormone in the body is cholesterol. So cholesterol is not not the devil, it's not bad. Inflammation is the bad part. So we want to have appropriate cholesterol levels to generate the hormones, right? And then the lack of stress, good nutrition habits and sleep, and not over-exercising. Getting meaningful exercising, but not endurance exercise, gonna plummet. Strength training, got to raise it, right? But not overly strength training. So the the extremes of exercise will always bottom those levels down. Yeah. So, um, and being, if, listen, and you could probably teach me circles about all, everything to do with muscles, but overdoing it in the gym on a chronic basis is going to drop your levels, right? So-, so guys who are older. Yeah, so- For sure. Yeah. At 58, I'm very strategic about this is what's getting done today. Yeah. This is what's getting done tomorrow. Now I've got two rest days. So my goal during my two rest days is eating clean, getting good sleep, um, prayer, meditation, maybe getting out for a little bit of a bike ride, but it's all about recovery, recuperation, regeneration. Are my supplements on point? Are my um, medications that I'm using on point? Uh, so there's a lot that can be done in those rest days. They're they're really active rest days yeah so there's a lot that you can do but when you get to a certain point, depending on the individual let's say if you like yourself where you've used DHT derivative steroids for numerous years, now you've been on testosterone optimization therapy for 10 years, the likelihood of coming off therapy and recovering the access, probably not but why would you? yeah I wouldn't encourage it yeah, I don't know why I'd want so I always you know what I always have this mindset.
0: I just don't like to be constrained by anything. I'm like, I don't want to depend on anything. Like if I can yeah. get off this stuff naturally, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I tried for two years, man. I, got, I had my my testosterone check. My total testosterone was 37. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm Not coming back.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. But- yeah, it's. I felt, life felt so bad. Like when I came off testosterone, it was like I think 2014 or 15. I yeah. felt so bad. It was just terrible. It was, the, it was a miserable three months despite, you know, post-cycle therapy and everything. But I was just determined after my head injury. I'm like, I really have this belief that I could recover it. And, you know, knock on wood, I've been able to, and amazingly still at my age that I'm able to keep levels where where they're at. Yeah. I know you're an advocate
0: or a seeker of uh, an optimized daily experience and optimized longevity, ultimately the optimized uh, health span. Uh, what you, you mentioned, maybe you're taking some medications. I'm curious in that realm, um, what you're currently personally taking or
1: what you advocate. Sure. Or, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Right now, I'm running a detox. So I run a detox on myself once a quarter. Um, so I'm right so, now, I'm working. Yeah. So um, it's different supplements s- skewed towards cleaning the liver. And then after I clean the liver, I work at it using um, um, it's called cytodetox. And what I do is uh, take that along with activated charcoal to bind it in the gut and poop it out. Mm -hmm. And I'll run that for three days, uh, take four days off, then run it for three days, take four days off, and then I'm done for a quarter. So, at that point in time, I'm just making sure that I'm getting enough of the nutrients that I'm supposed to be getting. I'm also uh, in nutritional ketosis at the moment because toxins like to store in the fat. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'll be in nutritional ketosis when I'm doing it. And I can always feel my testosterone levels kind of fall off. And how I know they fall off is my libido drops. Mm-hmm. So n- normally I'm like, even like thinking around, like, where's the girlfriend? And I can feel that kind of fall off for those few days when I'm detoxing. And mm-hmm. so I'll run that for a couple of weeks. Then I come back To my normal routine, whatever that might be at the time, depending on what my goal is. Yeah. Do you think it's speaking of detox, do you think it's possible right now
0: without it being your full time job to eat well, to eat truthfully in a, a, we say clean, but like that's such a vague term. Let's say, uh, you know, somewhere near toxin free or toxin minimal and like toxin minimal. Actually, having high quality
1: foods, it just seems so hard. It, it is hard. Jay and I talk about this all the time because he's the same as me. We eat so clean all the time. So, uh, I get uh, all my beef and lamb and chicken from a particular farmer here. Yeah. You can see the difference in the meat. You can you smell it. the difference. It's you it. can taste the difference. Yeah. When you cook, you don't even need to season it. it and especially that first uh, slaughter at the end of spring when they've been eating all that really fresh grass, yeah. oh my God, it tastes amazing. And um, you can tell the difference. If I go out and go to a restaurant and eat a steak, it's like, I can tell it's grain fed. It just doesn't taste the same. And it doesn't have the same sure. consistency. It doesn't chew the yeah. same. So it's yeah. very difficult to eat clean. It's, it, to me, it's about you know how what can you do to minimize the impact? Because it's just everywhere. That's why I still run a detox every couple of, you know, a uh, month or so, I'll go out and run a detox. Yeah.
0: Everyone loves to eat out. And it's like, I, I would rather not eat out by by any possibility. Like if I can stay home, the quality of food is just so different. I could control what's going in. Like I'm importing the best quality, like all of what I can like find, the best, right. you know, like, like I'm, I'm trying to find the highest quality stuff I can. Um, but just going out is always so disappointing, and, and it's sad because, like, it's nice to have a social uh, experience, but at the same time, like, man.
1: Well, you know what's good is the group that I run around in. They're all the conscious thing. like that, so yeah. they're very particular. We're going to a Mediterranean restaurant. We're going to this uh, Greek restaurant, where we know that they're really good about the the meats that they uh, acquire. So yeah. it's good to run in those kind of circles because it makes it easier. You know, I'll tell you, like, for example, Jay, he absolutely de- he despises fruit. And it's because he's like, oh my God, all the chemicals, the pesticides. You can smell it, you can taste it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's really sensitive to that stuff. And so am I. I'm very particular about that as to where I get those things, especially the things that I eat every day. I eat a ton of eggs. I mean, I eat a lot of eggs, a lot of beef, a lot of lamb, a lot of chicken, a lot of blueberries. So the things that I eat the most, um, I definitely. Try to find the cleanest sources possible because it's about to me, it's about minimizing. I don't think you're ever going to get free of it, yeah.
0: And so, Rob, think about how, how much time conscious you know, I talk about like conscious energy, right? Like, how much in conscious time I'm investing in thinking about these things. It's your job, it's my job, it's Jay's job to optimize our body, optimize our life to help other thousands of other people, maybe millions hopefully, eventually to optimize their lives. But how unrealistic is it? For them to spend their entire conscious energy on like, where's my food gonna come from? I don't have organic vegetables today. I'm not gonna eat vegetables.' You're just like it's not realistic. so like there needs to be some type of as you say, maybe detox
1: protocol, uh, just some way to sit that's a great person. That's a great question ben and and there is an answer to it. So you need to focus your attention and energy on that one subject just for a small amount of time, yeah. You really do. And once you got it figured out for your area. So like I hand all my clients, I have different nutrition manuals I use depending on what the problem is. So one in particular, my healing nutrition plan, which deals with like getting rid of toxins and it's a nutritional ketosis plan. And so I put people on the nutritional ketosis because it's the fastest way to help get rid of the toxins out of the body. Plus also heal them. Ketosis is a great uh, a nutrition plan for healing. And then we can move into other things, right? We, we want to get flexible and stuff, Mediterranean, be able to use all kinds of different foods. But for the sake of healing, I'll, I'll throw them into nutritional ketosis. So what do we need to find for those meals, right? What do we need? So uh, we need to find a good source of proteins. Usually in most areas you can find, and I'll do this when I go somewhere, I just Google uh, organic farmers and see what oh, pops up. And the meat is the updating thing, I think. Yeah, it generally is, and then there's things you can have delivered to your house. I'm fortunate here; there's like seven farms within ten minutes of my home, so I can rotate, um, you know, the different cattle farms that I use for as sourcing. And then, what foods are do you really like that you eat a lot of? Avocados. Okay, where are you going to source those from? Right, and there's a huge difference. I don't know if you've ever been to South America. But if you see avocados in Colombia, they're like this, they're green. Yeah. They taste completely different than the stuff we see here in the United States. Yeah. They're not even the same thing, and they're not using all these pesticides. Um, put you, first, you just have to focus just for a little bit of time and get it down, figure out what your eating window is. I eat between noon and six every day. I, Sundays are the days that I fast. It's already done. And I think for a lot of individuals, it's when your body isn't dependent on sugar anymore as its primary fuel source. Right, yeah. It doesn't have to have that constant source of sugar so that you're not getting the hunger cravings, the headaches, the moodiness. Your day is so much more stable. Your thoughts really aren't on food. Yeah. They're not. I know I'm going to eat, eat, eat between noon and six. It's going to be 2,200 calories today. It's already taken care of. I already had lunch. I already had something midday. I know what dinner is going to look like. I already know that it's lamb and it's dandelion greens with um, Swiss chard and probably whatever other green is stuck in there. So, like you like to say, meat and vegetables works miracles.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. And meat, meat. Again, this may be only me, but I find meat tends to be the easy thing to find. It's like, well, what do I need with my meat? Is it just vegetables? I'm going to have to add avocado. I can. So I, I like to add in. I like make big salads and all good quality olive oil and avocado and that's kind of it. And then eventually, like that's really
1: all I eat. (laughs) And so for most people, they're like, "That's it." I'm like, "Yeah, that's kind of." Most people eat about the seven to nine foods their entire life, so it's usually not this wild variety. Now, I travel so much between offices, I already know when I'm down in Naples. I'm going to my favorite restaurants different, yeah. and I know what i'm going to eat, and it's going to be a different food supply, but these places are you know they do a good job sourcing their food, mm-hmm. and I can tell that it's clean when it's not clean, I can smell it, I can taste it, and I'm just like turned off and just ugh, forget it when I'm in uh, Chapel Hill, I know what restaurants I'm going to in Chapel Hill that do a good job sourcing their food, and it's high quality food right and then you know I'm either at my sister's house or girlfriend or whatever I'm doing and they're all on board. They all eat healthy. So my network of friends, my circle of friends, I don't have to worry about, oh, hey, let's go to this burger joint and get this crappy food. That'll kind of happen because they're already going to make good food choices as well. Yeah. That's a big thing that I advocate
0: and I'm, it sounds like you do as well is um, most people eat make bad decisions because their body's either not producing energy very well, which is often either a toxicity issue or a mitochondrial issue. Uh, or you know they've got some type of oh, excessive amount of chronic stress that they need to learn how to manage and like remove the stress, learn to manage the stress. Um, they're inflamed, so again, removing the toxic burden, figuring out how to manage inflammation. Uh, and if you figure those things out, your decisions tend to make tend to be much easier to make. You're not going to make decisions based on gosh, I just don't have enough energy today. I don't have enough energy to get through the day, so I'm going to go reach for something that's you know unhealthy and and, and nobody should be consuming. Yeah. So I think in general the message that comes out of this is like. Heal, the, heal the, the the root of the problem, heal the body. And the body just tends to, to respond a little better. The likelihood of you choosing those crappy foods, you could still. Yeah. Uh, that
1: but, happens. Listen, yeah. It happens. See, I, I know what my trigger is. It's if I overwork myself to the point where I feel stressed, yeah. like especially if I had a bunch to do, like I had to go do some functional flight check on a plane yesterday and in the evening, and I didn't get a chance to get my dinner in before that. And I got out of the plane and all of a sudden I'm like, man, I really want to diet coke. You know, and it's just, uh, don't do it, don't do it. You know, I'm just recognizing that that's my stressor. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I'm just stressed. What I need is I need to go home. I need to drink a bunch of water. I need to cool it. You know, it's time to call it a day. I've done too much. Yeah.
0: So one of the things I advocate for people who have uh, hunger management issues is, well, first, you, you just eat a good meal first. And if you're still hungry, Eat another good meal. Like I will often have my guys who have appetite challenges to front load their calories in the day. I'm like, your first meal could be at nine, your second meal could be at eleven. I don't care. If you eat two meals at nine and eleven, the likelihood of you eating again for the next four to six hours is basically zero. So like if you eat two good meals back to back, great, no problem. And then we're just gonna have a light dinner and you're done. You know, so like people who have appetite problems, some or yeah, appetite control problems sometimes just giving them like an excess of food, even if it's all good food, it seems to work. And they still end up being in the massive caloric deficit because you just put so much in early in the day, which I'm an advocate of anyways. Uh, it tends They tend to eat less at dinner. And that's usually where most people slip up is the you know the post 7 p.m. snacking. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I don't know if you've experienced the same, but just like front load your calories, get a bunch in before 12. I know you're not not until after 12, but if you were to consume those first two meals kind of close, likely, your body just feels... Just got enough. Like mm-hmm. thinking about food again is much less.
1: Yeah, I'll mix it up. Like I might run four or five days like that. Then on the yep. sixth day, I'm going to eat. Uh, I might work out because I usually get up at five o'clock in the gym, five 30 done by six 30. And depending on what I do, if it's a leg day, I'm eating. <laughs> Cause it's just, it's too brutal, you know? Um, so I usually am very strategic about that. It's like, if I'm hurting, if it's a leg day, I'm going to eat early in the morning. because I'll usually back. Mm-hmm. Or if I feel like I'm not going to get a work, good workout. I'll preload, sometimes intraload, you know, or afterload. Do all three, so it depends. Depends what I'm I'm doing. I find, um, just like you talk about shifting their schedule, like to more like a ten to four, because they have a lot of insulin sensitivity issues at night, right? And generally at night, what it is, the hunger's coming because they need to go to bed. They're mm-hmm. tired. They're they're not. A, their body's talking, and it's throwing up flags, and it's either thirst or it's time to go to bed. Generally, it's both. Drink some water. Now go to bed. Your body's telling you to go to bed. It's, it's setting itself up to regenerate, recuperate, and restore. And a lot of people want to stay up 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, 12. Man, when your body says it's time to go, it's time to go to bed. And if those stress signals you know, are being misinterpreted, it's like, oh, I'm hungry. Let me eat. Right. Your cortisol levels are low. No, no, no. It's time to go to bed. My my brother has that issue. He loves like at night to to head right to the pantry. It's like, dude, no, no, no. That's the worst thing you could do. You know, that's it's time to go to bed, not stay up and watch TV.
0: Yeah, I think just acknowledging why that's the worst thing to do is is in most people, it's going to disrupt your your deep sleep mostly. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're eating late at night, quality of sleep falls off, and all of a sudden you wake up the next day feeling terrible. And one of the best things I've done is is I don't consume many calories three hours before bed and often even more than that. And my
1: deep sleep and, and REM sleep has just skyrocketed in the last couple of years since doing that. So that and you know, growth hormone, it. right? So I want to optimize growth hormone secretion, yeah. especially if I'm using one of the third generation peptides, you know, so I want them I with insulin levels, sugar levels as low as possible before they inject that peptide and go to bed. Uh, and then timing that like, Hey, let's get out of the rack five o'clock growth hormone levels are high. Testosterone levels are high. Let's get to the gym. Let's exercise when those levels are up.
0: Yeah. So you brought up peptides. I'd Love to have you
1: chat about like what which uh, growth hormone peptides are using. So my favorite Tesamorelin, Ipamorelin. You know the third generation peptide. It you just have so many of the unwanted side effects are just not problematic that we see with second generation. There are those individuals that do well with CJC twelve ninety five and Ipamorelin, and, and you know the biggest problem I see with those is usually the. That that rush or flush or the heart palpitations that they'll get with it. Um, sometimes you talk to them about it; they're okay with it. But listen, we have a third generation where you don't get those issues, mm-hmm. so we can use that. Uh, it's FDA approved, which is also really great, so I don't have to worry about any issues there. And if those aren't tolerable, you know, replacing it with growth hormone. And I use a lot of growth hormone. We do a lot of stimulation testing to take a look and see if the axis is functional because sometimes if that axis just isn't generating growth hormone and, you know, we'll do a stimulation test and there's- What does that look reserve, like? Um, it's just giving them a shot of glucagon and then measuring growth hormone over a period of three hours. And if there's just no reserve there, you're kind of wasting your money using one of the peptides. Let's just go to growth hormone mm. and, and replace it, you know, give that a trial.
0: Yeah. What's your thought on
1: the GLP-1 agonist? Love them. It's a, I personally love them. I dislike the inappropriate use of them. And what I mean by inappropriate use is, listen, if you're going to use any of these uh, incretin mimetics, right? So, um, GLP-1, GIP, you know, so you got mono, dual, and now there's a a tripeptide that's coming out. Um, they're going to put you in a catabolic state, and you're going to end up skinny fat. So while you might reduce your size, you've added fat weight, lost muscle, yeah. and in the long run, that's not good. So if you're going to be on these medications, you definitely have to know how to use them because you're going to, as a doctor, you put somebody in, them, it's great. Yeah, we're going to reduce cardiovascular disease. We're going to reduce weight. We're going to reduce diabetes. But you're also putting somebody in a catabolic state. So you have to be prepared to deal with that. Yeah. so you know are they going to be on an androgen concomitantly with that? are we going to use some uh, uh muscle peptide or supplement that's going to help offset any muscle wasting that we're gonna see right uh if I'm going to use one of those, I talk a lot about what your daily caloric intake needs to look like for your goal weight because I don't want to put them in a very a very low calorie diet seven eight hundred uh, uh calories a day for a month, two, three, four months right. we're gonna be losing muscle yeah and that's not good in the long run so wow well, we yeah, with that they're very they're great medicines that just need to be used um uh, intelligently
0: yeah, and hopefully it doesn't come out in the future that there's massive side effects because one thing I see across the board with some of the guys is an increased resting heart rate, mm-hmm. increased HRV. so I'm always like, yeah, hey, let's just hope there's not some negative effect that we Aren't aware of uh, and that comes out in 12 to 24 months, but hopefully all the trials are um, accurate and there's no issues.
1: Yeah, it all depends really kind of what the issue is. You know, if you can microdose them a little bit lower than what they're recommended mm-hmm. and still get the same effect, you know, yeah. I'm a fan of that as well. Um, it, you have to really work in total. We really need a comprehensive program, right? So we need to be on B vitamins. We need to put them on. Uh, supplementation that helps with muscle as well, so leucine, right? L-leucine is a great one to use, and and maybe an androgen, right? So we can offset that, but and definitely the caloric intake needs to be monitored because if you just give them the inhibit the agonist and go out the door, they're going to grossly undereat. Yeah. So we calculate out those numbers. This is what it needs to look like. This is what you need to be eating every day. Sure, we want to be in a little bit of a deficit, but then I also have days where after so many days, we're going to we're gonna feed because their metabolism is going to slow down.
0: Yeah. Dr. Right, Rob, coming Eric. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining. Me. Thank you for your wisdom. Uh, if you want to drop your website and where people can reach you
1: and learn more from you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm mean, easy to find. You can find me at Renew Health and it's R-E-N-U-E. And then in the last couple of months, uh, my staff convinced me to start doing Instagram so find me on Instagram. It's Dr. Rob Commoner. And uh, I try to post on there every couple of days with uh, things that are educational and inspiring. It can uh, help you with your overall health and wellness. And you've got some great
0: stuff. Um, I follow you. I advocate it. And we'll link to that in the show notes and so much more from
1: Dr. Rob. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be here.
0: That's a wrap gentlemen ladies thanks for being here i am ben pikulski this is muscle intelligence we do our best to really sift through the noise sift through the misinformation and bring you the most actionable information on the internet or certainly in the world and i'm doing my best to constantly keep up with all the data all the research all the application and ultimately applying it to the hundreds of clients in my coaching community where we're getting exceptional results, truly life-changing, remarkable results, uh, week in, week out with these men that we work with. And as I said in the beginning of the podcast, the reason I choose to work with men specifically is women are very, very complex for me. And it's never been an area of depth of study for me. So what I've realized in my ascension through the acquisition of information and knowledge is that there it's a whole different game. It's a whole different understanding when you start tapping into women's cycles and how to train and how to nourish a woman's body. It's very different than a man. And so I've decided to commit my life and my time to ultimately helping men be the highest version of themselves, ultimately helping dads be the highest version of themselves. And and we work specifically with men. And I'd say over 90% of the guys are dads. Many are entrepreneurs, execs, and and retired professional athletes, people who ultimately are looking to get the best of what they do. And the way I, I speak about what we do here in Muscle Intelligence is we provide certainty. Right. I want to give you the conscious bandwidth back, so that you can focus on what's most important to you. So many of us invest hours and hours a day, wondering and worrying, and, and certainly mm-hmm. contemplating what we should be doing with the nutrition, what we should be doing with our training, what we should be doing with our cardio. How much? How often? And, and you know how how frequently should we be doing this stuff? And ultimately, Muscle Intelligence does an incredible job of supporting you with the most effective strategy for you. Everything is customized. Everything is made based on you. We treat everyone like like a gold medal winning athlete. One of our highest values is if... literally training everyone like a gold medal wing athlete. So if some high level athlete came to us like Usain Bolt and he said, Hey Ben, I want to, I want to compete for the Olympics or I want to compete for my my Olympics, which is my life. I want to be the best version of myself in one year, five years, 10 years. What should I be doing? You wouldn't guess. You wouldn't just guess and say, Hey, go follow this program or go follow this nutrition plan. You would test and you would, you would test often you would track and you would keep detailed records of everything you're doing. And ultimately, that's what we do for you. We do our best to put everything on autopilot for you so you can focus on what's most important to you. And that could be your mission. That could be your vision. That could be your family. That could be your finances. But ultimately, it gives you back the conscious bandwidth to be the highest version of yourself. So, gents, if you're interested in working with us here at Muscle Intelligence, uh, muscleintelligence.com slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. You'll jump on a phone call with me personally or with someone on my team ultimately get to the bottom of what the challenges you're facing are, what you're committed to right now. And then we'll let you know if we can help you. And I say committed with emphasis there, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're not committed to progress, you're not going to get results, right? It's hundred percent commitment or nothing. One of our big values also in this community is we want hundred percent success. That doesn't necessarily mean that every person gets their goal in three months or six months or 12 months. What that means is every one of us wins the day. And so we commit to winning every single day. So we're the highest and best of version of ourselves today physically mentally familially financially what can you do to commit to be the best version of yourself today and be coached along that process to ultimately hold yourself to the highest standard gentlemen thanks for being here ladies i appreciate you as well for supporting us in the muscle intelligence community if you enjoyed this podcast with dr rob commoneric i would appreciate it if you left us a review if you share this with at least one person you know and love who's aspiring to be the highest and best version of themselves right now gentlemen, ladies, let's change the world. Let's do it together. Let's all do it by looking, feeling, performing at our absolute best. Go out and crush it. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode.